Give us a hand if you would, please. I think he has a recording already. Did you push the button on here, Mark? Oh, it's going okay. All right, good evening, everyone. It's good to see you. Hope you've had a good day. Um, is there anyone who was not here last week? We began this series on prayer um, with a lesson on what hinders us from praying. And if you do not have that lesson sheet, you get one of those to everyone, please, or whoever needs it. That was for the first week. And then last week we looked at the matter of what happens when churches pray. And if you were not here for that, and you would like to have one, Brother Diego, if you can help here, please. This is last week's. What happens when churches pray? Okay, thank you, sir. passing out the lessons. If you take your Bibles and let's turn to the book of John. John's epistle, chapter 17. John chapter 17. interesting story. Actually, it's, uh, this, this, this situation took place during Abraham Lincoln's uh, presidency while he was president. He had a visitor stay with him in the White House uh, for about three weeks as his guest. One night, one night soon after the Battle of Bull Run, this visitor could not get to sleep. And then suddenly he heard a low voice coming from the room where the president slept. He got up and he walked toward the door, which is partly open. And then he saw the president kneeling before an open Bible. The light was turned low and the president's back was to the door. He did not know that he was being overheard. And in a piteous and solemn tones, the president was praying. And this was his prayer. Thou God that heard Solomon in the night when he prayed, and he cried for wisdom, hear me. I cannot lead this people. I cannot guide the affairs of this nation without thy help. I am poor and weak. O oh God, thou didst hear Solomon when he cried for wisdom, hear me. And save this nation. That was some prayer. That's a far, far off generation from what we have today in the White House. Or have had. When's the last time we ever heard of a president praying like that? 
So that night, as he listened to the Lincoln's prayer, the visitor learned that the president was a praying man. He had heard that, but he heard it for himself. So one of the great needs that uh, in the life of every Christian is, of course, to pray. And we've been emphasizing that over the last couple of weeks. And, and yet we, we pray so little, don't we? Uh, I don't know about you, but I need to pray more than I do. But sometimes, um, sometimes I don't know how to pray or what to pray for. Uh, do, do you ever have that problem? I believe the Apostle Paul, he had this problem also. Listen to what he said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the Holy Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Well, you know what? Thank God that uh, in those times, Brother Diego, the Holy Spirit helps us and he strengthens us uh, with his presence and, and he helps us to bear our weaknesses. Paul said, with groanings. Have you ever prayed with groanings? Those sighs, groans, or deep feelings, and intense anxiety which exists in the oppressed and burdened heart of the Christian. He said, which cannot be uttered. Now, you know, sometimes our emotions are, 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 are too deep for utterance. And, uh, or expression in, in, in articulate language. This does not mean that the Spirit produces those groanings. But during these times of sorrow, when the soul is oppressed and overwhelmed, he, he, he lends us his assistance and he sustains us. I'll give you a personal illustration, if I may. I hope you forgive me for this, but I heard one preacher said the best illustrations he knows is the one that he's experienced himself. I recall as I was looking through the lesson here, I recall many years ago, what has it been, honey, for John? 27. 27 years ago we were in Germany. <coughs> and we received a call from Mark to let us know that his younger brother um, had passed. He was in North Carolina, in Greensboro, North Carolina. He was 22 years old. Mark's probably told you this. But uh, we were in Germany and uh, got the phone call from Mark. And I recall that night, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to pray, Brother Diego. All I could do was groan. All I could do was sigh. All I could do was just, well, I couldn't do much, to be honest with you. And maybe some of you who've gone through that experience, you've lost a loved one or a friend. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard. It's difficult. But yet... God's Word says that we have, those of us who know Him as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit who helps us through those times, through those difficult times when we just, we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say, what to, you know, what, how, how to express ourselves. Well, one, one author, um, one author said this, quote, The Spirit greatly aids or supports us in those deep emotions, those intense feelings, those inward sighs, though, uh, which cannot be expressed in language, but which he enables us to bear, and which are understood by him that searches 
the hearts of the Christian. And there are several reasons why um, sometimes we don't know what to pray for. Let me give you a few of them. First of all, we do not always know what is really best for us. We think we do. Sometimes we think we know better than God does. But we don't know what really is the best for us. Uh, We also do not know what God might be willing to grant us. And so we don't ask. We are ignorant of the character of God in His ways. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Melody, would you read that, please? Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Listen to what this says about our ways compared to God's ways. Yes, uh uh-huh. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Thank you, dear. It's good to remember that, that our ways are not God's ways, and His ways are not our ways. But sometimes they do line up if we're in the center of His will. And then we are often in real deep perplexity. And during those times, again, we don't know what to pray for or how to pray. Uh, you know, we, we are surrounded with trials, uh, exposed temptations, uh, maybe feeble disease, feeble uh, by disease, uh, maybe subject to uh, calamities, all kinds of things. And in these circumstances, if left alone, uh, we would not be able to bear our trials or know what, God, what to ask God for. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever heard Jesus pray? That's what I've titled the lesson tonight. Listen. Jesus is praying. And we hear him praying in John chapter 17. We certainly need to learn to pray and and what to pray for. And I, I believe that we can learn how to pray by listening to Jesus as he prayed. And if you've ever read John chapter 17, I encourage you to do that. Because we have recorded there his intercessory prayer. Um, this is not, uh, you know, some people say, well, the Lord's Prayer is um, found right here. But it's not. The Lord's Prayer is not Matthew chapter, what, 10 uh, or 6 verse 9. Uh, Our Father which art in heaven. That's not the Lord's Prayer either. That's a model prayer. It's a model prayer of how, how to pray. And... Uh, so first of all, you look at your lesson sheet there, you'll see that we've got several ways that we find that if we listen, we'll hear how Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, first of all, several times to his heavenly Father. And we see that in verse 1. We'll begin reading. These words spake Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. And then we see in verse 4 also, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me uh, to do. So getting back up to uh, the the verses, look at verse 5 also. And now, O Father, um, these verses we're going to look at, these verses speak about him addressing his Father. And now, O Father, Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Uh, Verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Verse 21. That they all may be one, as thou, 
Father art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And then verse 25, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and and, um, hast loved them as thou hast loved. I'm sorry, I read the wrong verse. I said 24, didn't I? Father, did I read that one already? 25. 25. Oh, righteous Father. So he prays to his uh, righteous Father, his Holy Father. But the important thing is that many times throughout this prayer, he is addressing his Heavenly Father. And you know, you, know, I, you and I, we, we have the wonderful privilege, privilege of going directly to him with our petitions. Uh, we don't have to have permission from anyone. Uh, we have direct access to the Father, don't we? Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And uh, we also have access to His throne of grace. We see that in Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that's the first thing we see. Jesus has set the example there. He prayed his heavenly father and of course the model prayer isn't that the way it begins jesus taught his disciples our father that's the first thing we address our heavenly father we come directly to his throne of grace and then secondly jesus also sought to bring glory to his father we see that in verse one and in verse four and god deserves all the glory uh the word glorify means to esteem to honor to magnify to praise to worship all of these are, are encapsulated in that word glorify. And so he sought to bring glory. And I believe that when we pray, we, we, our desire is that the Lord Jesus might be glorified. Just before coming over, we, Mel and I had a word of prayer. And we, uh, I prayed, Lord, may you be glorified in all things. Not me. It's not about me. It's not about pastor. It's about the Lord Jesus. And he deserves all the glory, doesn't he? And then thirdly, uh, Jesus prayed in submission to his Father's will. Uh, we see that in verse 4 again. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. That was God's will for him, to finish the work of redemption. Uh, Luke 22, can somebody read that? Violet, would you please? Luke 22, verse 41 and 42. And then, um, uh, let's see here. Abigail, you read John 5 and verse 30, please. <clears throat> All right, Luke twenty-two forty-one and 42. And he was withdrawn from them and about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There, not my will, but thine be done. And if the Lord Jesus could say that, then certainly that ought to be our prayer also, shouldn't it? Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Whatever it is, whatever it costs, uh, whatever it involves. John 5 and verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Thank you. Over and over again, you'll see as the Lord Jesus is praying, and of course in different uh, in different sections of 
in different places in the New Testament there. Uh, when he's praying, he's always praying, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He was in submission to the Father's will. And I believe that we should always pray according to God's will also. Matthew 6, verse 10. Again, the model prayer there. Uh, uh, what? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy what? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And um, so if we do, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that um, he will hear us. Listen to this verse. If you don't have this verse underlined or marked, I'd encourage you to do that. Especially when you're praying and you're wondering, well, Lord, why, why aren't you answering my petition? Why aren't you answering my prayer? And that's First John 5 and verse 14. Listen to what it says. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, I've heard people say, oh, there, there it says, if I ask the Lord anything, I can ask him for whatever I want. I can ask him for a brand new Cadillac, or I can ask him for this or that. According to his will, there's the key. According to his will, he hears us. And, uh, but, you know, so often we, uh, we pray according to our own will, what we want, and not what God wants. Sometimes that's hard. It's hard to pray that way, isn't it? Lord, your will, not mine. Whatever is best for me. For my good and for your glory. And then number four, the fourth one is, Jesus prayed earnestly or intently. You notice in verse five, he says, And now, O Father. In Luke 22 and verse 44. Melody, would you look at that one real quick, please? In Luke 22 and verse 44. Verse 44. Mm -hmm. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Can you imagine that? That's hard to, to, to even imagine what took place there. But it says he prayed earnestly, fervently. And, uh, you know, the letter uh, O, when it says, O Father, it, it is an interjection. And it's used before... A name in direct address, especially in solemn or poetic language, to lend earnestness to an appeal. Uh, so often, I believe that our praying is so shallow, it's uh, selfish, isn't it? It's repetitious. Um, it lacks feeling. I think this, uh, the way that we're doing it, the way that we've been doing our prayer meetings, in, in quoting scripture and praying the scripture, it's so much more expressive, isn't it? I mean, it's in line with what... The, the Word of God. But, but our praying uh, is, again, very shallow, repetitious. It lacks feeling. And I believe that we should pray fervently because it accomplishes a lot. James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word fervent, that's an interesting word. It's uh, the Greek word, and I'm not a Greek scholar, all right? So some, once in a while I'll throw out a Greek word. But that word is energio, from which we get our English word energy. Praying with energy, praying fervently, uh, it, it signifies energetic supplication. The energetic, dynamic, and passionate prayers of godly men have the power to accomplish much.
We see that through the scriptures. In many places we could go to and see uh, examples of that. We see it throughout the Bible and, of course, throughout history. And then moving down to number five, Jesus prayed with no regard for time. Even though, his, even though he knew that his time had come, he still found time to pray. Mark one thirty five, Brother Diego, would you read that, please? Mark one thirty five, and then uh, uh, Hannah, if you'll read Luke 6 and verse 12. Thank you, sir. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain and to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So Diego, Brother Diego just read the word. The Lord Jesus went out early, early in the day, early in the morning, and he prayed. And then Hannah just read where it says he prayed all night. And so the reason I share this is because, um, you know, we're so time conscious, aren't we? We really are. Uh, most of us don't pray five minutes a day. Most Christians don't pray five minutes a day. And so we see that he had no regard for time. It didn't matter what time it was. So when should we pray? Well, we're all familiar and know that the Muslims, for instance, pray what? Five times? Five times a day. And wherever they are in the world, they'll, they'll turn towards Mecca. They'll pull out their little rug, uh, their prayer rug, and kneel down wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Five times a day. Well, it's all vain. It's all vain, repetitious uh, praying that they're doing. Uh, sort of like the prayers I prayed when I was raised up in Catholicism. Brother Diego, were you raised in Catholicism? Who was raised in Catholicism here? Anybody know? Okay. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, and prayer goes on. Our Father, which art in heaven. So when I used to go to confessional booth every weekend I'd go and tell the priest what I did that was bad as a bad I was a bad boy I did something really bad I stole some marbles from a store or whatever it was I did I wasn't very kind to my siblings and he would say and he would tell me how many our fathers to say how many are Hail Marys to say how many apostles creeds to say and on and on but all those were in vain they were just empty repetitious prayers and that's the same thing that goes on every day, five times a day for every Muslim. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 7, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Well, does the, the, does the Word of God tell us when to pray? I believe we have a lot of examples of when to pray. For instance, uh, uh, David, let me, let me have some help here. Uh, Brother Jerry, would you mind reading scripture? Psalm 55, verse 17. Psalm 55, verse 17. And uh, Brother Tim, Daniel 6 and verse 10. You got your Bible? Yep. Luke 18, 1. And uh, let's see. Uh, uh, yes, ma'am? First Thessalonians 5.17. First Thessalonians 5.17. Now, first of all, notice what David said. Psalm 55.17. Evening and morning, and at noon, 
Evening, morning, and at noon. Three times a day. We're told that David, that's what David's saying. Three times a day he's praying. Uh, what about Daniel? Notice what Daniel did in Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his window open towards Jerusalem, he fell down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since early days. Thank you, sir. Notice what Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 1. And then notice what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So from these examples, and these are just a few examples of when we're to pray. Morning, noon, at night. Three times a day. Always. In the attitude of, of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Now, what, what should our... Um, what should uh, uh, what, what, what what posture should we use? If I can put it that way, what should be our posture as far as uh, when we pray? You know, you ever see folks pray and they'll go like this here, and of course on movies, you know, we see it all the time. What what is the correct posture for praying? Well, throughout the Bible, many postures are described. Now, for instance, Jesus it says in verse one there of our text, and these. Word spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. And so the Lord is standing there perhaps and, and he lifts his eyes up to heaven. It doesn't say he closed his eyes. is isn't anywhere, I don't think, that says we have to close our eyes, Brother Diego. Um, what about Abraham? You know, in Genesis 17, verse 3, you can look up these verses. Uh, Abraham fell upon his face before God and, and, and he prayed. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody do that. To fall down, prostrate on the ground. Uh, Solomon, in 1 Kings 8, verse 54, Solomon knelt in prayer and he stretched out his hands, his arms. You don't see that today. You know, the, Paul says, lift up holy hands. Um, I've, I've never seen anybody do that, especially in a Baptist church. Have you, Brother Jim? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Nehemiah 1 and verse 4, it says that he sat while praying. You sit down and pray. The Lord will hear you just as well whether you're sitting down or standing up or prostrate on your face. Daniel says in Daniel 6 verse 10 that he kneeled while praying. Uh, What about the publican? You remember the publican who uh, Jesus spoke about in Luke chapter 18? How How did he pray? He prayed while standing, beating his chest. Have you ever seen anybody pray like that? I haven't. I think, however, the most common posture is bowing and kneeling. And we see that in Psalm 95, verse 6. Who wants to read that one? Psalm 95, verse 6. Violet. And um, Mark, if you read one more. Uh, Acts 20, verse 36. And you know what? Let's finish up here with a couple more verses. Uh, Brother Tim, I have you to add a reading in if you will. Luke 6, verse 12 and 13. And uh, Brother Diego, Hebrews 7, verse 25.
All right, let's read those verses. Psalm 95, verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Thank you. And then Acts 20, verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. You know, that's an interesting passage here as Paul is leaving uh, the brethren at Ephesus, I believe. Uh, I always kind of get a lump in my throat when I read, read that portion of Scripture where he gathered the elders together and he prayed and he told them that you'll never see me again. And uh, so that's, uh, that's always a, a, a touching portion of Scripture to read. But anyway, uh, so that's the common, most common posture is, of course, bowing and kneeing. So, um, and by the way, it's not the position of our body, but the attitude of our heart that matters, isn't it? So whether we're sitting, whether we're on our floor on our face, whether we're standing, regardless, hey, where we're driving down the road, you certainly don't want to close your eyes there, but regardless. Number six, Jesus prayed concerning every decision he made. Luke 6, 12 through 13. Thank you. Very important decision he was making here, selecting the apostles out of all of his disciples. Okay, so you know how often we just we, we just pray about the big things, about the important things in our life. Have you ever prayed for a parking space? I have, huh, I, brother? I've, I've, maybe I was running a little late or something, and I got to where I'm going, and and I can't find a parking place, and I said, Oh God, Lord, would you please? Would you help me to find a parking place? Turn the corner, and there's one right there. You say, oh, but you got Oh, I think God cares about the little things, too, as well as the big things. But we just tend to pray about the big decisions. Now, there isn't anything too small to pray about. And then number seven, Jesus acknowledged that everything comes from the Father in verse seven. Now they, ha- now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. And we should do the same. And then number eight, Jesus prayed. Now hit listen. Here's the amazing thing about this prayer. Jesus prayed for you and for me. Isn't that amazing? Uh-oh. What a, what a reminder this is here that we also ought to pray for others. But th- th- this is something. Verse 20. Notice verse 20. He says, neither pray I for these alone. He's talking about his disciples there. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Jesus was praying for you on that day and for me. And that just, that's amazing to me. And for all those who would, who would ever hear the gospel and respond to it and, and trust him as their savior. Listen to this little poem. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my model be, to live for others that I may live like thee. I believe that, um, I believe it was years ago, I read a book by, uh, a preacher named John R. Rice. And have you ever heard of him? John R. Rice, he's with the Lord now. And he said this, prayer is asking and receiving. 
That's a pretty simple definition, isn't it? Asking and receiving. And that certainly is true. I, I read about a man who prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he became more and more quiet until in the end he realized that prayer is also listening. That's what you and I need to do. And just as Lincoln's guest stood outside his bedroom door listening to the prayers of that great, great president, you and I need to learn to pray by listening to our Savior, by listening to how Jesus prayed. Listen. Can you hear him praying? He wants to teach us how to pray. Father, I thank you for the word this evening. Bless it to our hearts. Thank you for the example we have of our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus, who prayed. Prayed about everything. Prayed for your perfect will to be done. Not his own, but yours. And uh, Father, we just commit ourselves to you now. I know that uh, these past few weeks we've been speaking a lot about prayer, and, and yet not enough perhaps. But guide us and direct our hearts and our thoughts. We want what is what will bring glory and honor to you, Lord, and what is good for ourselves. And we thank you and praise you now. Thank you that we have recorded here uh, the Lord Jesus' intercessory prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for praying for me on that day. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.